22 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm Willa Ralph. And this week, Willa, we are PlayStation fangirls. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're talking about the PlayStation, whatever it was called, showcase, and how excited we were about all of the multiplayer PvP shooters. We're a shell uh, for PlayStation. We love Jim we're Ryan. We're a shell for PlayStation. Jim Ryan love, is daddy. We love $600 VR goggles. Yeah. No, there was... Uh, so we were t- texting a little bit about this show as it was as it was happening mm-hmm. and how extremely bad it was. After I sat down and like th- watched it again and thought about like, you know, how I felt about the games, there are more things that I was interested in than I thought. But it was still a pretty bad showcase. While I was watching it, there were three things that I thought didn't look like garbage. And now I think there's like four or five. <laughs> so um, not a huge improvement, but uh, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where we found games we were really excited about, and most of them are absolutely the games nobody else cares about. Yes. <laughs> like, we'll get into it, but we we definitely didn't care about the things that Sony wants us to care about. Yes. So, you know, yeah. This Yeah, the stuff we cared about was the stuff that they threw in to just appease the indie perverts, which I guess it did. Yeah, clearly. But I guess, I mean, I I have the notes that I have here are in roughly chronological order. So I think we can kind of start there and we'll hit we'll hit the stuff that you have in, in this stock as well. For the first like 15, I should say, I was like, as this thing came on, I was like doing other work. So I was just kind of like, I had it on a low volume. And when something seemed interesting, I would like look down and, and, and like watch the trailer if it was interesting enough. And so I wasn't seeing like every single like title that was announced and every new like start of a trailer and stuff. And for the first like 15 minutes of the show, I could not tell if it was if they were even different games. Like it all just looked so similar and so generic. It kicked off with fair games and hyenas. Fair games with a dollar sign. With a dollar sign, which are two completely identical PvP shooters. I don't know. Do you have anything to say about these other than... They look like trash. <laughs> that they, yeah, uh, they look shitty. The first thing I will say, the only thing in the opening like quarter of the show that I did find slightly interesting was the Helldivers 2 trailer, which is interesting mainly because the first one is like a top-down like Diablo-style shooter, mm-hmm. and this one is like a third-person thing. And I just think it's interesting to see any time a developer makes a big jump of of genres like that particularly if it's an indie studio who like it tends to make a lot more sense to like do the thing you're good at rather than like completely change the way your game plays it's something similar to like what uh risk of rain did like the first one was a side-scrolling shooter and the second one became 3d so i just think that's interesting that they were like let's let's take this premise and like just do a completely different genre with it Mm -hmm. not really my kind of game but i i just I don't know. I think it's always fun when studios do that kind of thing. Like, especially with a sequel. It's just like, let's try something that is completely, like, hardly recognizable. Yeah, I I respect it. I think the first thing that I actually cared about was Sword of the Sea. I'm curious, um, because I know you are a huge Journey fan. Obviously, I like Journey as well. I'm also really, I really love um, Abzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was also by the t- this developer and the pathless i thought was like i didn't really love it but there's some really interesting stuff in that game and the interesting thing about uh sort of the sea is that it seems to combine all three of those games like journey is very much the most obvious one mm-hmm. it's you are like 
skating through this like desert environment for most of it and just it's the same kind of like fluid movement and stuff that journey and also the pathless had as well combined with a lot of cool underwater imagery which is what made absu really really neat so yeah i'm just i'm curious how that landed for you because i know you're a fan of at least journey i don't know how you feel about those other two games though i never got really into abzu and i still haven't mm-hmm. played the pathless although it looks really really interesting to me uh but like yeah as you've said i love journey i was really confused when the trailer started me too because <laughs> the sand like looks identical and the like protagonist looks very reminiscent of the like robed figures from journey and i was like journey two <laughs> yeah that's the weird it feels like a sequel to all three of these games in a weird way <laughs> it was so weird and like i had i had thoughts about it and i was like this looks gorgeous mm-hmm. although to be honest i don't think it looks exceptionally better than journey journey holds up really well and i like recently replayed it it's extremely stylized like yeah. this this is as well but there's something about the like higher fidelity of it mm-hmm. that makes it just feel a little less mm-hmm. exciting to me for weird reasons um it's a journey mixed with tony hawk's pro skater mm-hmm. which, which is rad great. radical um i don't know i don't really see the need for a journey like game that's so overtly kind of taking journeys like language and aesthetic it's one of the reasons i like that game company is that you can tell each game they make is essentially in some ways a sequel or a successor to the game that came before but it's not like in the traditional sense of the word it's more like Mm -hmm. each subsequent game is trying to do something that evolves on what the past game did so like with journey the thing that i like about journey is what it does with the idea of like multiplayer and human connection through video games and yes it happens to be stunningly gorgeous but like it's more about the mechanical interest like the mechanical things it's doing and that game company did make a sequel to journey essentially in sky Mm -hmm. children of light which is very clearly building on those questions of like the mechanics of like building connection over multiplayer. Whereas this seems like, you know, the spiritual successor, but only in visual. Um, It's more about being like, we're going to recapture that visual style. I'm probably going to play it because like, I am more interested in games that are doing something like this than in most of the AAA games. But like, I, I, I don't see... I'm going to have to see what like is unique about this game that makes it more interesting, um, which like I haven't seen yet, but it's obviously like literally the first time we've ever seen it. So it has time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is interesting that like the like Sky took the the multiplayer aspect, which was the more interesting part of Journey, but seemed to be less successful with it, um, even though that's a more interesting idea. Whereas Giant Squid, which is this developer, has taken the like the fluidity of the movement and the kind of like, we use the word spectacle in a negative way a lot, but I think in a positive way, it's taken the kind of spectacle of that, the style and the just kind of like awe-inspiring visuals, which are less exciting to me than the multiplayer stuff. But these games have been more like successful than Sky was, in my opinion. So it's, I don't know, it'd be cool to see them incorporate that stuff as well. But I also think like, what would they do with it even that Journey hasn't, didn't do perfectly. So it makes sense to me that they are, like, this is the track that they are following. And they have like proven themselves again and again and again to be extremely successful at Mm -hmm. selling like a very unique feeling to the way that you move through the world and also like you know their games are also like very emotional which i think is something also a through line from journey like abzu was i was really affected by that game it's a thing that like it's very clear that there's a lot we're not seeing so it's it's kind of hard to like 
know what we're getting into, but anything that this developer does, I'm going to be at least keep a really close eye on. So yeah, same. I was excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, I think for both of us, that was interesting was uh, Neva. My inclination is to pronounce it Neva, but I know it's a Spanish studio, so mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming it's probably pronounced Neva. But this is the one that I texted you and called the Princess Mononoke video game. Absolutely. Yeah, like your protagonist is like cool protagonist with a giant wolf friend the trailer looks like a you know like just kind of an animated cutscene type thing as opposed to gameplay but it is like just this scene of this woman with her giant wolf and like a wolf cub and there is this like wave of shadow creatures that attacks this giant wolf and kills it and it seems pretty clear the game is going to be about you guiding this this wolf cub through through the world and it's a very, to use another like overused term, very like watercolor, hand-drawn kind of art style, really gorgeous colors and um, like lineless art style, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. It's another again that like, it doesn't really give us any inclination of what this game is going to be, but given how cool it looks and how the trailer is focusing on this emotional story as opposed to anything else, that's interesting to me. What's most interesting is that it's by Nomada Studios, which made Grease, which is a game that I love. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Grease as well a lot. And it was the combination of finding out it was by the Grease developers and then also just looking at it. And I was just like, yeah, I'm 100% in for this game. Sold. Yep. Like that might be the one that I'm... Well, the one that I'm second most excited about from this entire showcase, to be honest, to you look confused as to what the other one would be. I was trying to think as if you'd as if I, we'd never had a single conversation before. I know. I, I think I know what it is, but um, I mean, for me, this was probably the most exciting one. Yeah. Oh, except for Foam Stars, of course. <laughs> the, the real. Mo- <laughs> what was the tweet you sent me? <laughs> From the official oh, like Foam Stars Twitter it was account from the official Twitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna please pull it up. Type because I, I do want to pull it up. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Lex who also <laughs> had some incredible, <laughs> incredible tweets about fucking Foam Stars. So good. Um, the <laughs> the official <laughs> Foam Stars Twitter account put out a tweet. It's just a picture, like a promo image of the game. And the tweet says... (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. You can do it. The tweet says, get ready to... (laughs) Send it it it. to me. I'll do it. I'll do it. Get ready to join the foam blasting (laughs) frenzy. Oh, man. Get Which ready just, to join the foam blasting frenzy. It's one of those things where all you need to do is just repeat exactly what it says and it's a, it becomes a joke. It looks like it's fantastic. No notes. Incredible. It's going to be a perfect game. Yeah, they took the really bold direction of what if Splatoon sucked ass and uh, it would be foam stars. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess the next thing that's probably... Well, okay, so there was a game called towers of Ag- agasba yeah which is just a, a a the kind of thing you name your game because you want to make people say it in that tone of voice like mm-hmm. they're questioning what it's called interesting looking game like a survivally crafting kind of thing maybe but it seems to think you're it's more about like building a 
this city as opposed to like crafting random shit to survive. I'm always a fan of like building settlements in games. Things like Ashen, where it's like as you play, you kind of build up this this little town. I think that's a cool concept of like, I don't know, you're not just out there like trying to be the hero or whatever. You were like making a home for other people. I think that's always an interesting concept. And it looks like it's very, very interesting aesthetics. Um, you come to this kind of like a ruin, you know, very like devastated landscape. Um, and as you build it out, it becomes more like colorful and you introduce like wildlife and and plant life and stuff back to it. But it's all very like, it kind of makes me think of Morrowind in the way that it is. It's not just like you're bringing trees and grass and stuff back. Like they are all very like fantastical kind of structures. A lot of the like plants that you're growing look kind of like like coral reefs or something like that. And there's these like giant insects and stuff flying through the air it's just like it has a very interesting kind of art direction to it i'm not sure i don't think it's really going to be my kind of game but i just think it's interesting to see this is like a a genre that's like extremely well trodden and for them to take something do something a little more interesting about it where it's about like creating a, a, a city and even like just the aesthetics like i was talking about like it's not just like oh, you have to fight bears and get wood to build whatever. It's like they're being a little more imaginative to that than that. And I just, in a showcase that was so much about just like multiplayer shooters and shit that just looked so derivative and so boring that to see, you know, something a lot more uh, imaginative, I was just like, you know, it was just like getting a little drop of water in a desert for me. So the next in line was Final Fantasy 16. Heard of it. Which we talked about at length. All I really wanted to say about this is any version of that fucking Final Fantasy theme in any context is always going to fucking rule. I mean, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's Soken who's doing the score for this, so like, it's it fucks. It's great. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. unlike the rest of the game, probably. <laughs> uh, so this, the next one up was the other thing that I was interested in the first time around, yeah, which was same. Revenant Hill, mm-hmm. uh, another game where they showed basically nothing of how it's going to play there's it seems to be also kind of do with settlement building in in a way i think that's going to have a very different approach and a very different sort of mechanical aspect to it mm-hmm. because this is a game from the uh developers of night in, night in the woods which is what makes it interesting mm-hmm. to me since releasing night in, the, night in the woods uh they've created a like a worker-owned collective called the glory society who is developing this game so if you've seen night in the woods it's it's that same you know scott benson's art style it's it's very like it's it's the same style and it was another trailer that just kind of showed like not really anything about the game but about the vibe of it where it's this cat running through this sort of like ruined like cityscape you see like labor riots and stuff which obviously is very (laughs) very much what these developers are interested in exploring with their games i don't know i how did it hit for you because i know i was just kind of like can't wait, but it's that's because of the developer rather than the game. I mean, that was kind me. of the same thing for me. And also just like the it's the same as Night in the Woods. The art looks great. I was super into it. And it was I mean, it was the same way I mostly felt about Neva and Sword of the Sea, where I was just like, I know who I know the people who make this game. I'm sold. Can't wait. Yeah, that's really it's really interesting. That those are the games that are appealing to us. Like mm. none of them have are showing very much of what they actually are but they're all just like these are developers who've proven themselves it's it's i don't know it's weird like they're they're the kind of like indie developers that are big enough to get onto this showcase Mm -hmm. and i think that the choices are really interesting you know greece night in the woods were very popular games but the developers are not like 
super high profile. Like yeah. in both of those cases, it's their second game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just interesting to see that those are the ones that made it onto the show. I think possibly because they are so different from what the rest of the show was and they just, someone just re- knew that they needed to like not have everything look exactly the same. And they were like, what's the most different from what we have sh- uh, here so far, you know? They should have called up analgesic. Oh, I know. <laughs> That'll be the fucking day. Yeah. Uh, we then took another detour back into multiplayer shooter land. I think the thing that I've seen the the biggest like mix of excitement and disappointment for is Marathon. Yeah. Um what do you what's what do you know about Marathon going into this? <laughs> Literally this is nothing. Very much like a before your time kind of thing. Yeah. Someone told me that it was a reboot and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. So Marathon was an old bungee game, mm-hmm. an old shooter pre-Destiny shooter that pre-Halo pre-halo yeah Uh, yeah i mentioned destiny because like bungie still has destiny and also like a lot of the themes kind of continued into Mm. destiny and so it's i i played the first marathon like when i was a kid do not remember it um i know it's well respected i know it's people feel good about it because of its story which is why people were so disappointed to realize that the new marathon is another pvp shooter it's a pvp extraction shooter which is even worse yeah aesthetically super interesting uh lots of like bright colors something interesting about the a lot of the designs was it looked very much it had this like molded plastic look to it where everything was kind of shiny and rounded and smooth Mm -hmm. and yeah just lots of bright colors there was a, a very aesthetically interesting trailer um it's it has a lot to do with like biohacking stuff like there are scenes of these like bioengineered insects sort of like weaving a body together with these little these like bright green filaments like looks very cool but the idea that it's going to be like an extraction shooter is like just could not be more disappointing yeah i mean i i i I don't think there was any other trailer i went from really interested to no interest in like a second slat and it's just i'm not a pvp shooter person yeah too much damn that art style looks so good though like what it what it was really like reminding me of was it was very mirror's edge yeah yeah because it has a lot of like almost you know singular white space or like and stuff with like pops of color Uh, it just it's so aesthetically pleasing but um yeah i mean i probably won't play it (laughs) i'll probably play it for a week and then remember that i don't like these kind of games yeah i mean it's free to play i mean if, if not i probably won't play it and then again, like the next game was this game called Concord, which had, I had a similar arc with where it was like a, an interesting aesthetic. This sort of like it felt like sort of like 80s sci-fi movie version of space. It had this cool like <laughs> the actually the most interesting part to me was um, the end of the trailer has this cool like synth theme. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, that sounds great. And then I looked up the game and it's another PvP shooter, yeah, which I just don't care about. Um, so that, that's kind of the theme of the show is like pretty games that I have no interest in. I mean, this is the thing that Sony has been open about is they've wanted to make a major push for live service titles, yeah. which essentially means live service shooters nowadays. And it's like, cool, we're, let's have five f- live service shooters that relatively look the same with, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Marathon being on- the only one that looks unique. And then all of them are kind of going to be mid. I I mean, yeah. Marathon, I think, is the only one of these games that will have a life like a year mm-hmm. after it releases. Yeah. Yeah. And that is because of the development team and because of the like importance of the the series to some people. 
Yeah. Which is uh, really unfortunate. It's like, I don't love, like, live service games are never my favorite. But, like, you know, I play Final Fantasy XIV, which is, like, a similar model. I'm still playing Honkai. Like, I have played these games and enjoyed them. I've mentioned before Dauntless, which is a game that I've played on and off. Like, I'm not completely opposed to the idea of them, like, making this push for live service. The Mm -hmm. the frustrating thing is they are all these boring ass fucking pvp shooters like if you want to make this big push and make this such a part of your platform it's insane to me mm-hmm. they would be like well let's try six of the same game and maybe one of them will stick around like why not do something more interesting why not do you know find other things to do do something like an rpg like Honkai. let's try or just try entirely new things like there are plenty of indie developers who have made good stuff turned their games into like playstation exclusives and if that's what they're looking for why not try to do something like that with a live service like find somebody with a more interesting idea and have them take a crack at it like it just it it boggles the mind that they would just be like let's just keep making the same game until we get one that works it's i don't really get it i don't like i don't understand how you decide to like try to break into the most saturated space one that's like on the decline too yeah and it's really hard to like you know, carve out a space amongst, you know, you have like Valorant, Fortnite, Apex, and I guess Call of Duty Warzone. Mm-hmm. And I would say those are the big ones. And it's like almost impossible to break into that. I wouldn't yeah. put Overwatch there. Because no. <laughs> Overwatch 2 sucks. That, which is a very different True, type of game. But that's so different than what yeah. it seems like most of these games are going for. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we're not genius game development company executives who never make mistakes i think if jim ryan hired us billions of we would fix everything i think that's probably true we make everything foam stars it would be a foam blasting frenzy Uh, we'd be blasting foam left and right um (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of okay so that's kind of all i have for the this yeah you know okay uh, chronological run through i know there was some that you didn't talk about and i was like i actually want to talk about some of these yes i had some of them so like the first is like i think this was probably one of the biggest announcements that came out of there and it was like i feel a way about it but it was like (laughs) metal gear solid three snake eater is being Mm -hmm. remade which has been a rumor forever but yeah it's being remade. It's called Metal Gear Solid Delta because we got to keep weird naming conventions for the series. And I'm, I actually dig that, mm-hmm. but we have to make headline writers angry. Oh my God. This <laughs> now was... they have to keep a dock on their, on their desktop open with just the Delta, the Delta symbol yeah. so they can copy and paste it every um, time they have I to mean, write this. I, I will say it was a cool trailer. I liked the trailer. It was a great yes, yeah. fake out. The first like minute of that trailer, I was like, I'm not going to be interested in whatever this is. There's we got animals. They're eating each other. It was gross. Yeah. And then it like zoomed in and then you just see snake and then the snake eater theme plays, which is pretty bitchin'. It's that Bond style theme song. It's dope mm-hmm. as hell. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've obviously made our thoughts on remix abundantly clear. <laughs> and they're bringing they're bringing Metal Gear Solid one through three two modern consoles which that i'm actually more like significantly more interested in than the remake I would, I would actually really like to go back and play the original again yeah actually i mean all three of these i would actually really love to play again because it's been at least a decade mm-hmm. since i played yeah it's been a long time since i played any of them but i mean that was kind of the thought for me i was like yeah okay it's yeah it's metal gear solid three okay mm-hmm 
there were two games that you didn't mention that I definitely want to shout out, uh, which was Cat Quest, the Pirates of the Peridian. Did this not thrill you? It, I, I got to <laughs> say, it didn't thrill me. I the t- got a great pun. Exactly. Love the pun. That's all I need. Um, it looks adorable. Yeah, it looks cute. It looks adorable. I'm very into it. And then there was yeah. the Plucky Squire, which this mm-hmm. game actually looked really cool to me. I'm very interested it in did. it. Yeah. It like has that. It's basically like you're playing a 2D like RPG almost where it's uh, like looking into a storybook, but then the characters jump out of the storybook and it's like a 3D platformer like exploration game. It looks really neat. And I yeah. thought that was fun. I love games that have multiple styles and stuff. So Totally. I think the only reason it didn't really do anything for me was because this was art revealed at another showcase like a few months ago Mm -hmm. and it already made the premise clear. So this was just like, here's some gameplay footage of the thing we have already seen. Yeah. um, It does look cool. I just wasn't the trailer itself. I was like, okay, that's what I thought it was going to be. I mean, outside of that before, there's like two big things that we're going to talk about. One that we don't care about, one that we do care about. But Mm -hmm. before we get to those, um, I think it was hilarious that before they did their massive, like their big, you know, closer announcement, they were like, hey, guys, we know what you like. First off, two things. Aren't you excited for the Gran Turismo movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was was, like, no. That was bizarre. And then after that, they were like, here's a bunch of hardware announcements, including Project Q, our weird Steam Deck alternative well, no or, not it's Steam not Deck. though it's not even because it's, it's like a streaming it's the device it's Wii a U gamepad it's a, screen it's it's not even as good as a vita well i mean to be fair like, nothing what, could be what could be possible vita, vita i mean the vita had gravity rush yeah so this thing is a handheld device it looks like a switch it's a screen with controllers attached that used to stream games from your playstation 5 mm-hmm. to this device so that means you need to have a PlayStation 5 for this to function, which is like, honestly, kind of a cool idea, like that you could have the play your console games on like a little handheld if you wanted to, I don't know, lay in bed and play them or whatever. I can see the audience for that. I just think this thing is dead in the water because there's no way it's not going to be unbelievably overpriced Absolutely. because it's a, it's a Sony piece of hardware. And that's what they do yeah. is they overprice their hardware like brutally. I just I I think this thing's dead in the water. Like it's an interesting concept if they were billing this as like an accessory, but they're calling it like a they're acting like it's a new console, and that means they're going to treat it that way, and they're going to charge you as if it is. It's got to be four hundred dollars minimum. No way it's going to work. Yeah, I also want to point out, like you know, if you know how and you have a Steam Deck, you can play your PlayStation Five games on your Steam Deck. Allegedly, Uh, hypothetical. So I hear. Sources We're say, saying don't. Yeah. Don't look up how to stream PlayStation no. 5 games to your Steam Deck. Because you might find yeah. it. And that would be. While illegal. you're at it, don't look up how to hack your 3DS. I hear it's really easy to do. <laughs> yeah. I hear uh, Nintendo keeps putting out patches to break that functionality. And then. And then hackers put out patches yeah. to unbreak it within within the day. So if you did happen to update your 3DS to the latest hardware or the latest firmware and it broke everything that you hacked into it, we've heard that it's possible that you could then download another update to, to reset it and be able to use it again. I just, Nintendo's such... <laughs> Can you imagine being a company who's like so anti-preservation or anti-like players being able to do what they want that you literally try to like break your old hardware 
It's so deranged. Like literally like what was it, like two months ago or no, maybe not even that long. They shut down the eShops and mm-hmm. you cannot you cannot legally acquire 3DS games unless you go like find physical copies of them. Mm-hmm. And then they released this patch specifically to kill homebrew so that you can't play game. Like it, it's like they're trying to destroy their own game library. It's so strange. But they made Tears like, of the Kingdom, so they can't be bad. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Maybe it's good that they're suing people. Yeah, exactly. For fixing their broken heart. Yeah. Anyway. um, Okay. So two more things from the showcase. Let's get Spider-Man out of the way. This was their big closer. They had like a 10 minute long gameplay section that like was really like, look, here's everything you want. Here's all these cool villains. Here's you get a you get a GTA five switch between Miles and Peter. We're going to be outside of Manhattan. So we're going to see like all these different areas. I don't know. I know I'm I feel sometimes like I'm broken because I'm watching this and I'm literally like, I could not be less interested if I yeah. tried. I I get that if this was a thing that I cared about, that idea of switching between Peter and Miles would be really exciting. Except I'd only play that. as Miles. Except I don't well, well, but but Peter this time is like Venom, so there's like his new powers and stuff, and probably plays different, like slightly differently or whatever. I can see a world in which that would be interesting. It's just that's just not the world that I live in. Like, <laughs> it makes sense to me that people who were really into the first games or who are just into Spider-Man as a thing are excited about this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy for them. Just couldn't be me. Like this, not not a second of this yeah. was interesting to me. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought that Final Fantasy would be a bigger deal in this showcase. I did not expect the Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. thing to be. It makes sense that it, that it was. Just, man, could not be less my kind of thing. I'm surprised they didn't release the Final Fantasy 16 demo. Because they've said they're going to do a yeah. demo and they're going to release it before the like the game comes out. Yeah, I mean, they have a month. I know, like... I was like, you're a month away. I feel like this would have been the time. Yeah, that is really strange. They're probably going to release it like if, two weeks before. Yeah, I wonder if Square just didn't want it to get buried or yeah. something. They I mean, like won all eyes on it. I will say sense. it's like it's a short demo. Like the section mm-hmm. of the game that I played at preview, basically the first two hours, which is kind of the prologue of the game. That's the demo. Okay. So it's it's like short. It's like two mm-hmm. hours. So like, eh, I guess it doesn't really matter if you release it like two weeks ahead of time. Yeah, that seems like what Square tends to do. I think it was pretty much the same with their last few things mm-hmm. harvestella did that and uh valkyrie Elysium. Elysium. like not that those are like on the same level of that but that yeah. seems to be like what they do now mm-hmm. um okay robin do you want to take it away so <laughs> the most exciting news of the showcase or of my entire this this is the most excited i've ever been for a game to come out i was thinking about it earlier and i was trying to come up with like other times when i've been anticipated game this much and the only ones that came close were the witcher 3 mm-hmm. because i love the witcher 2 because i have good opinions and also shout of the colossus because because i loved ego and they were making another thing but this is like so far beyond that because for one thing it's been 10 years since dragon's dogma we've been waiting we've been so good waiting for this fucking game you've been and I think so also, good <laughs> I've been so such a good girl and I deserve (laughs) this game. Um, The other thing is like Dragon's Dogma freaks are like. We have a chip on our shoulder. 
because when this game came out like it scored pretty like it got pretty good reviews but it was it was also pretty overlooked like people did not really seem to think it was anything special but some people played it like me and became immediately obsessed with it i replay this game like every six months it's so fucking good and i and then like this game has had like a huge critical reevaluation in the last like five years or so like at this point like saying that dragon's dogma is like an all-time great game i think is like not controversial at all Mm -hmm. like i think that's a pretty mainstream opinion to have but there was a period there where there were like it was basically seen as kind of like a middling like forgotten thing but then there were people who were like no you don't fucking understand (laughs) this game is brilliant and so i think for a lot of people who were like had that arc we have not been able to let go of those that time when we had to like evangelize for this thing so hard so now that there's there's no one arguing with us now but we still are like fighting the people who existed in 2013 Mm -hmm. who were not paying attention to it which is all to say they showed a trailer for dragon's dogma 2 and i was so fucking excited literally like i said i was like doing other work so i wasn't really paying that much attention the first like second of this trailer happened and i realized that it was going to be dragon's dogma 2 and i just turned up the volume and leaned in to like six inches away from my computer <laughs> screen to watch it i i was so excited about it that i like my brain erased them like i don't even remember the trailer because i was just too amped up about it existing mm-hmm. so I want to make you watch this trailer with me. So there's a couple of reasons for this. One is what I just said. It's I'm so fucking stoked for it and I don't really remember the trailer. The second is that you have sinned against me by not playing this game. And so I know a lot about oh, this man. game and I love this game mm-hmm. and you don't have any real association with it at all. Man. So I'm very interested to have that reaction. Okay. And the third reason I want to do it is because we tried to do this a couple of weeks ago with Armored Core. <laughs> I fucked up the editing, so the timing wasn't right. And now I just need to prove to myself that I know how to do this. Yeah. So uh, you're just going to indulge me on this for a second because I need to redeem myself. Okay. God, I'm so excited. I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched this also. Uh, when I rewatched the stuff from the showcase this morning, I skipped this so I could be a little more fresh yeah. for this. Do you want to um, send me whichever link you're going to watch it from? I do. And we should uh, click it on. Is yeah. this again? So that we're in sync. I'm ready. Okay, do you want to just do 30? Yeah, why not? Okay. I'm happy for you. I'm excited. So thank you so much. Okay, you ready? Go. (laughs) I feel like you're going to cry. I might. See, it was, yeah, ugh. So the trailer opens similarly to how the first game opened. Mm-hmm. There was this like quote, I think it was also in French. And then you, uh, this in this trailer, you see a griffin. And I was immediately like, oh, of course. Yeah. Who's she? <laughs> oh, there's a lion. These dude. lion people are new. Yeah. Uh, they just decided to give, give furries a break this see, time. See, this is the only thing I really cared about, which is that really hot woman. Yeah. I like that you get to see actual gameplay. This looks dope. Yeah, a ton of it. This game is so much farther along than I thought it was. Yeah. 
Um, there's a lot cool. of like interesting magic being shown off, which is one of the coolest things of the game. Yeah. Um, of the first game, there's like some new stuff. That's Grin Sora in the capital. That's a dragon. Uh, this is very similar to how the first game. There's like a scene at the beginning with that dragon. These ogres fucking suck. They're so hard. Um, you can high five in this game. Like, you can high five in the game. That's new. Um, there's some very fuckable monster <laughs> women in this game. Um, it doth not release thee from thy not. fate. Gotta love it. It doth not. This looks pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I mean, it I'm looks... Glad. It's kind of what I've always wanted in certain RPGs, which it looks like a single player MMO kind of. I don't Why know. Do you say, that's what do you mean? It just looks dope as hell. You got these cool party members. I don't know the vibes. Yeah, I agree with you. I just I, I, that's an interesting take to have without having played played the first game. All I know about Dragon's Dogma is that you get to run around and you have like your pawns. And you can climb yeah. things kind of Shadow of the Colossus style. Yes. I think the pawns are a big part of what gives it that feeling, that like single player MMO feeling. Because you like a big conceit of the game is you create this like companion character who follows your your player character around and you know helps you know fight and stuff. But also you can whenever you sleep in this game, like at an inn, which is how you save your game. It's like every time it I saves... log out of Final Fantasy, I always log out from a bed because <laughs> I want exactly. my Warrior of Light to sleep well. Exactly. <laughs> um, and when you do that, it like it like sinks your pawn. So at that point, whatever stuff they're wearing, whatever skills they have, all that, everything that they've like seen in the game gets saved to a server. And then anyone else who's playing the game can recruit your pawn to come join them which you can do through this like menu screen or they will just be randomly walking through the world. So at any time, you can just be like walking through a village and you'll see other characters that people created and you can talk to them and recruit them to join you. And anytime that happens, when they come back to your game, they will bring like presents. They can bring stuff from the other player. They will also, anything that they encountered when they were in that other player's game will be kind of like added to their AI. So they will know how to fight certain enemies that you haven't seen yet or like how to complete certain quests you haven't done yet because they had that experience in another person's world. That's cool as hell. Cool as hell. I think that's it's very interesting. Yeah, the, the single player uh, MMO thing, I think, comes into play there. I'm so excited to see what they do with pawns in this game. I'm really hoping that they they find some interesting new ways to play with that because that was like... The most original idea I think that Dragon's Dogma had. And I would love to see them expand on it in some some fun ways. This game doesn't have a release date yet, right? No. So I should get started on Dragon's Dogma 1. You have yeah, you have plenty of time to to play it multiple times, which you'll want to do. Of course. I really so very it's very exciting to me this like there's a scene here where like an uh, uh Cyclops steps on a bridge yeah, and, and it, it breaks. breaks. That was not a thing that really happened. I mean to some extent but not to the extent where you would be like breaking bridges mm -hmm. and, and like you know uh that's that seems like something they could do some some interesting things with i don't know to me that really feels like it comes from the same place as the climbable enemies like taking your like kind of physical presence in the world to sort of a logical conclusion i think that's interesting that kind of says to me that they're going to build on that climbing stuff a lot maybe let you like climb terrain more than you could in the original because if you're breaking bridges you've got to find another way to get around them yeah, I don't know. It's it, interesting that there's not... I'm not really seeing any new 
enemies or things like that. There's definitely some new magic in here. The lion people are new, which is interesting. Yeah, I kind of wonder what that says about the game. If it's like they're maybe opening a new... Because uh, it looks like the this city that you're in is Grand Soren, which is the capital, like the main city in the first game. That I wonder if that means that it's like opening a new area and like those lion people are from there mm-hmm. uh, and you might have to like go explore that. That would be exciting. Honestly, like whatever this fucking game does, I'm so excited for it. The first one was so good. This one looks incredible. I'm really like, happy I know for you. I say all the time that like graphics are not that exciting to me, but I just I love the way this game looks. Mm-hmm. It's not a particularly like stylized look, which is the things that I tend to go for. Like this is going for the quote unquote like realistic style. But I think there's something about the it's a very like kind of mythical feel like it's a very like very traditional fantasy setting. Um, But something about the way that they dig into that and like stylize around that idea as opposed to like changing the the actual like art style of it, I think is really interesting to me. I just fucking I'm so excited. Willa. very happy for you. (laughs) This, yeah. Oh, man. This is my you telling me about X Men moment. I'm just, you just have no context for anything <laughs> I'm talking about, and I could ramble about it all day. There's, you see this, this guy here who is probably the Duke. You can see he has this glowing heart, and he is clearly the, the villain of this game, which is a theme of the first game as well. Uh, the way that these dragons like corrupt the, the leaders in the world and, there's some interesting stuff around there that you're going to play. The, I'm going to make you play the game, yeah. so I'm not going to tell you all about it. But there's some interesting stuff there that it looks like they're exploring again. And I, I hope that they do something interesting with. Mm-hmm. Man, this guy fucking jumps onto that ogre's face, too. <laughs> he just looks like he gets launched out of a catapult. Damn. That's fucking cool. Oh, no, someone else threw him. Okay, that's cool. Did you know that there's a Dragon's Dogma MMO? No. It was never released outside of Japan. I played a little bit of it. Uh, I mean, I've heard you can play it <laughs> with a VPN, but if you put in a... It's really hard, I hear, to get it to work properly. But you can get a VPN and make an account and play this Japan-only Dragon's Dogma MMO. And I've heard it's pretty cool, uh, even though I've only heard about the first couple beginning of hours of it, because it's like some of the patches don't are hard to get working. But that does make me wonder if they're going to incorporate some multiplayer stuff into this Mm -hmm. something would be within the bounds of like the way that the the pawns acted in the first game and i think that would be pretty fucking exciting like when i was talking earlier about like there is a way to do i think there could be a way to do live service games in a way that's way more exciting to me than anything that is being done now not that this would be a live service and thank god but i think there are a lot of avenues to explore the idea of of multiplayer that is more than just like we're making a multiplayer PvP game, like a a game that is primarily single player, like Dragon's Dogma 2, but elements where in addition to encountering those pawns on the road, finding some way to like encounter other players as well, I think would be really fascinating. And also in line with kind of what the team did with Dragon, the original Dragon's Dogma. And like it seems like a natural evolution of what they already have there. So I think that could be interesting if they decide to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm looking at my waveform and I haven't stopped talking in like 10 minutes. Um, You're just very excited. I'm going to release you. I'm very excited. I just am very excited is all. I can't wait for this fucking game, Willa. I'm going to make your life hell talking about it when it finally comes out. I mean, it's it's only fair after I've talked to you about X-Men and will continue to talk to you about (laughs) X-Men. Yeah. So that was like 
as I've made abundantly clear, far and away the most exciting announcement of the show and also of ever. Um, yeah, I'm just so fucking stoked for it. You're going to need to transition us out of this. I'm, I can't. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking. <laughs> Anyways, so you're still playing Zelda. Do you want to? Let's okay. So is this? Are is that your? And do you have any ending thoughts on this showcase? Not really. I don't either. It was. Um, I think I had the exact same reaction to the last Xbox showcase, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the Nintendo. Whatever the last one we talked about was, where it's like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, that kind of sucked. And then thinking about it afterward, I was like, oh, there's some interesting stuff in there. It's just like the majority of them. Yeah. Are not what I like. Yeah, it's the stuff that the like the showcase doesn't actually mostly care about is the stuff i'm more mm-hmm. excited about yes uh but dragon Sogma 2 is happening and i am so excited thank you big win for robin thank you capcom big win for robin but aside from that what else have you been up to this week yeah so um i got a four-day weekend this week which yeah. is dope so on friday i went to a coffee shop and I had delight, delicious coffee, and I read a book. So I wanted to talk about the book that I was, I've been reading. This will probably surprise nobody else, because this is like a very popular book right now, but I've been reading Babel by R.F. Kuang, which is, it's this uh, like alternate history book with like elements of magic. And it takes place in like 19th century London, mostly, or well, 19th century England, mostly. And it's about this character named Robin Swift, which this is why you saw me reading something with Robin in it. (laughs) And basically, he is a kid who grows up in China and has the ability to like, because he grows up in the docks, he speaks Cantonese, Mandarin and English. And there's this English guy who finds him like on the edge of death because his whole family died from like disease and Robin's about to die. And this guy, uh, he's like, listen, I'm if you promise to like do everything I ask for like the rest of your life, I will like keep you alive and I'm going to take you with me. Mm -hmm. So he takes Robin under his wing and he takes him to London and you find out he's a professor at Oxford. And in this world, the world runs mostly on these ingots of silver, which are engraved with words in different languages. And it's an element of magic. And basically what it is, is it's that if you can like speak both words that are inscribed on a silver ingot, it uses the the like potential of what is lost in translation between these two words to create like power to like mm. to create magic. And so translation and like understanding language is a like massively important part of this world. And Robin, as someone who from growing up has understood multiple languages, this professor sees like potential in him and is like, you're going to come with me. You're going to be my ward. You're going to do everything I ask. I'm going to teach you Latin and Greek. And like, we're going to start learning more languages as well. And you're eventually going to go to Oxford when you are of age, because Oxford has this like institute of translation which their whole job is to like find potential words in different languages that allow for magic. And so it's it's this incredibly interesting world. And the book is basically, the book is dealing with all of these really interesting themes about like language and how language it relates to like imperialism and, you know, racism and class. And then also the idea of the power of language and subjugation and 
also like the inherent problems of the academic system. It's really fascinating. It's really, really good. I've been really enjoying it. There's an extra layer, which I find very enjoyable for me. Like I was a classics major. Um, I was a classics major and English lit major. So I like read a lot of Latin and translated a lot of Latin and did a lot of discussion on that. So like there are elements of the book where in the early chapters, he's talking about how he's like learning Latin. And why does Latin suck? Because of all these declinations and conjugations and tenses and everything. And I'm like, preach, man. It really <laughs> does. It's a really, really good book. It's very well written. And like the themes are so interesting. Um, I highly recommend it. The other thing I wanted to recommend is after we recorded last week, I went over to a friend's house because Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is coming out later this summer. <laughs> And uh, in our friend group, I am a massive Mission Impossible fan. And then our, my two friends are massive Mission Impossible fans. And then Zoe has not seen any Mission Impossible movie. So we decided over three weekends, we're going to do double features of every Mission Impossible movie to prepare. So we did Mission Impossible 1 and Mission Impossible 2. But... Because Mission Impossible 2 is the worst movie, my friend Harrison <laughs> basically took it upon himself to recut the movie and he made it into a silent film. Um, and it's a 76 minute long <laughs> cut of Mission Impossible 2. And it's just the score over it. It's really, really fucking good. Nice. It's so much better than you would expect. And like, you don't lose anything. You can follow along perfectly. Zoe, who had never seen it before, was like, yep, I completely got what was going on. Uh, it's great. Uh, you can also, if you want, you can download it. There's a link. So I'll send, I'll send that your way so you can put it in the show notes. Highly, highly recommend. <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, what else have you been up to, Robin, besides just being excited about Dragon's Dogma? Yeah, it's mostly been thinking about Dragon's Dogma, but when I haven't been doing that, um, I have been continuing to play Tears of the Kingdom, which I wanted to talk a bit about just because for our last episode, I was still in the tutorial and still like really not feeling it. Um, so I kind of wanted to check back in on that. I know, I guess you haven't been playing it quite as much, uh, and also your feelings haven't changed as much as mine did, but um yeah, almost immediately after you exit the tutorial. Yeah, that's not true. Actually, there are quite a few hours where it remained pretty boring to me. But once I got sort of like all of the powers filled out and like and started to get to the point where I was like exploring the world, it really opened back up for me and started to give me some of those feelings that uh, like Breath of the Wild gave to me. So I don't know. I, I have just kind of like a grab bag of thoughts about it. But one of them is like, I think we talked about last time was like how weird the performance was. Mm -hmm. And I continue to be fascinated with how this game runs. I don't know how game development works. I don't know how people make games, but it's it seems clear that they found some kind of forbidden magic that allows them to do like uh, render like low detail like long distance objects so when you're in the sky or like looking at things from from a distance like across a valley or whatever you can see for like miles and there's stuff where you know you can see all of these different towers and different landscapes and and like you know the, the weather will be changing there's different weather patterns in different parts of the world and the sun rising and it's just like absolutely magic how they managed to get this to run at all and then there are also times when I'm in like 
a mostly empty field or like a town where there's two other NPCs and it turns into a slideshow. So it's kind of like rendering NPCs and doing like close-up particle effects and stuff really, really, really drags it mm -hmm. down. But it is pretty incredible at doing those huge like panoramic shots. Uh, and in those moments, I think it does it does look really beautiful, which is, I don't know, it's an interesting thing to see. Like we we those tend to be things that are difficult to do well. Uh, and it seems to have like invested all of its focus into doing those really well. One thing that has like become worse, I think, because I think most of my impression of the game has got only gotten better since I played, is realizing how the writing of this game and like the main story is really bad. Like the, <laughs> it's just it's really interesting to me actually. It, it kind of it it feels in a weird way similar to that performance thing, like the kind of the two sides of that because there's a lot of really clever and funny writing when it comes just to like these little NPC interactions and like the stories from the the Clover, whatever that's called. Uh, the, the, the Clover Gazette, the Lucky Clover Gazette. Yeah, the newspaper. Th there's just like, there's so much quirky and fun little writing in things like that. But when it comes to the main story and especially dialogue, it's, it's kind of rough. Awful yeah. and boring. And there's a lot of like quest descriptions actually uh, whether it's in your journal or things people tell you that are just straight up wrong. Like there are some inaccuracies there that have made me like have to look up how to solve certain quests because they tell you the wrong thing to do. It's just, it's really rough in that way, which is, which is really unfortunate. And I think also the story that's being told for the most part is, is pretty boring. A lot of this sort of like, there are like four main cities you need to go to and like solve the problems they're having. And a lot of those are just like, oh, we saw Princess Zelda show up and then things got really fucked up and weird. And it's just an incredibly boring story. But there's also throughout the world, there's like, I think, 11 of these geoglyphs you can find, which are these big drawings in the like drawn into the earth. And you can if you go to those, you can find these like memories uh, of what's happening to Princess Zelda. And the story that that's telling is far more interesting to me than anything that's happening in like the timeline of the game. Yeah, definitely. Mostly because it just gives Zelda something to do, which most of these games don't. Like for a lot of those, she's still in the background, but she is playing a really integral role in like how this world develops. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like it's cool to see her actually have some kind of agency, even though she's missing from the game itself. So I spent a lot of time trying to find those memories. I only think I have like one left to find now because that story is so much more interesting to me than, than what's happening. I found myself prioritizing that a lot because also it's like it, it feels more natural to keep doing as I'm like exploring the world, which is what I predominantly mm -hmm. do rather than like go to the te like temples and stuff is I've really just been like exploring the world, finding weird side quests and seeing the geoglyphs and being like, that's what I want to do. I want to find all these memories. But uh, yeah. How many of the temples have you done? Um, one. Or which ones have I did you done? the wind, the Rito village. Okay. How did you? How did you? I mean, I like them? it. I'm I'm happy that there are temples because, like, I mean, I know that's something that wasn't really in Breath of the Wild. Um, I mean, I know the divine beasts are essentially the temples, but like, they're not. I hated the divine beasts. I think they are terrible. <laughs> it's like they all use the same type of puzzle. That's about like maneuvering like the different like parts of the beat i i think they're fucking awful i love the wind tumble mm. like the way that you approach it you have to you know climb the approach this giant is really tower. awesome 
and it takes like an hour to get like it's it's all this climbing and like finding these routes between these little disconnected chunks of sky islands and then bouncing on these like pirate ship sails and that's great and i think the wind temple was really fun and the boss of that temple was so fucking sick like i don't do you, how did you feel about it did you, you i enjoyed seem, it a lot i mean i thought the, okay. i thought the temple was great it's been really fun I have just been finding so much more fun in general, though, just yeah. in exploring the world. But like, it was really neat. And I, I did really like the approach. The, and it's it, yeah, the mm-hmm. approach is so long, but there's something neat about it. Oh, yeah. You absolutely. keep having to like get on these little like trampolines and stuff and go higher and yeah. higher. And yeah. it's one of the first times in this game I felt that sense of going on this journey. And like, you need to be prepared. Like, you have got to have gear and food. You have and to stuff. have so much cold resistance. <laughs> It's and it's I love that kind of stuff about this game and Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild, like the survival elements of it, where it's like you you know you're going to this certain type of environment, and so you need to take the time to like go gather ingredients and like prepare yourself for it. It's extremely cool, and the like and again the boss was just so like again like a, a spectacle in a really great way. Like the the song that comes in at that point is fucking incredible. Like I just it just felt so good mm-hmm. to play, and then. I was like so much on the high of that that I immediately went to Goron City to do their like the next step and like they have the next temple. And I hated every second of it. <laughs> the story of Goron City is terrible. Oh, no. The temple is awful. The boss is shit. Like I was so frustrated with that that I have not done any of the other temples since then because it was just like it was such a letdown. Cause like this all of the Rito stuff and the Wind Temple was just like was such a highlight. And then all of the Goron City stuff was was god I mean, I have to do the Gerudo. I just have to see the Gerudo. Because I didn't yes, play Breath of I'm the Wild, so I need to see the Gerudo. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. I'm like going to fish people land next. You know, I'm hoping that'll be better than than the the Gorons were. Yeah. But yeah, mostly I've just been exploring. And I think one thing that I that I said last week when we were talking was that like Breath of the Wild f- starts off the beginning of that game feels like you're going on this big adventure and the beginning of tears of the kingdom feels like you are playing a video game Mm -hmm. and there is i still think like the biggest drawback to this game for me is it does lack some of that sense of this like grand journey for me which i think part of that is like there are these like towers you can go to that like blast you into the sky and that's how you like fill out your map and how you reach like the sky islands and that stuff is really cool like finding and like exploring the sky islands is really neat but it also means that whenever you want to go to a new location on the map you can pretty much just blast yourself into space and then paraglide into it whereas in breath of the wild you had to go like i still remember like when you you go to kakariko village it is like a journey it's like all the way across the map and you have to like plan out which routes you're going to take and which roads and like where are you going to stop to like cook and stuff and it just really had that sense of like this is also i think it's great about dragon's dogma it does this a lot it does this super well but it i just haven't gotten that sense mm-hmm. from tears of the kingdom because i can kind of just like airdrop in at any time yeah. like the one moment that i had that is i was screwing around in like the eastern side of the map and just like doing random side quests and stuff and i just came over this hill and saw hateno village in the distance it's just like over all of these rolling hills and like a mile away. And it was just like, just that like very quick instant of like cresting the hill and seeing a town in the distance and knowing like, I have this long journey I'm going to take to get there. And like, what am I going to encounter on the way? That was one of the best moments I've had in this entire game. 
And it just reminded me of how much I'm missing that from Breath of the Wild. So that is still, I think that's still unfortunate because like all of those additions are great, but I do think they they take away from that sense, which like for me in particular, I think is one of my favorite things in a game. I don't know. I'm still having kind of an up and down feeling about it, but I'm in a mode now where like I have most of the map uncovered. So what I'm doing now is like actually exploring those places mm-hmm. as opposed to just parachuting in. And the the more time I spend just kind of exploring on the ground, the more I'm enjoying that stuff and like finding secrets and whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's where I am with this game now. It's um I wonder how I will I will feel about it like when I'm done playing with it, like if it will match up to Breath of the Wild. Um for now it's like I think mechanically it's probably more interesting. Like the powers you have are are allow a lot more creativity and and like uh, a lot more expression in how you choose to play. But for me, they do kind of detract from that very particular feeling that Breath of the Wild gave me and that I prize really highly in this type of game. So yeah. Neat. I, yeah, yeah I, I guess you have nothing to add about <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tears I of the Kingdom. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Light on me talking this episode. No, that's cool. I, I just didn't know if, you, if your feelings had evolved in any real way really. since we last talked. My thoughts are always absolutely 100% correct the first time I have them. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's nice. It's good for yeah. you. Well, uh, I need to go watch uh, the Dragon's Dogma 2 trailer like 16 more times. So I think that is where we're going to call it for this week. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod or on Wait, did I say that correctly? <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod, or you can follow us on co-host at girlmode dash pod. And you can follow me both of those places at Rap and Bombas. And you can follow me both of those places at the Willow Row. Uh, I don't know, leave us reviews, share with your friends, tell your, uh, t- tell your local grocery store about us. <laughs> you heard me. Yeah, just put up flyers at your local grocery store. Yeah. Deface some some public property with uh, with just the words girl mode. It'll be very fun. And it's going to be a foam blast and frenzy. Yeah, blast some foam in the shape of uh, our the world. The words girl mode. Um, God, what a mess that game is going to fucking do. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye. Maybe I'll call my mom back. Yeah, it's really fun. What do we need to do? My mother is calling me. I see I'm busy, that. mother. If you're listening okay. to this in a week, I was in the middle of recording my podcast, Mom, okay? <laughs> Hopefully I called you back. Fault. You can blame me. Yeah, it was Robin's fault. Anyways. Wind Temple. <laughs>